Well, good morning and happy Easter from me as well. It's just so good, isn't it, to be able to gather and worship, even if it's in different circumstances. I, uh, I've liked for a little while a, a saying that someone, I don't know who said it, but they said that life is like a brand new mountain bike. There are lots of gears on it that we never use. And maybe for you, this season, this time is uh, one where you're experiencing what it means to have lots of different gears and you're maybe discovering some some different ones. And uh, maybe you're thinking about Easter in new ways. You may have been a follower of Jesus for a long time, but you're finding because of what's going on in the wider world that you're exploring some different gears. Or maybe you're here joining us for the first time uh, as Trinity Cheltenham online. Maybe you're wondering about what it means to believe that Jesus did rise from the dead. Oh, well, friends, my simple message for us, whether we've been using all of the gears in life or we're exploring some new ones right now, is that it's true that Jesus rose from the dead. And because of that, he has broken the barrier death. Death does not have the final word on us and on this world anymore. There is the true gift of eternal life. And that is a hope that we can live by, not in a naive kind of way, not ignoring the realities of life, the struggles, the stresses, and of course, yes, the fears that we face at this time. Uh, none of us wants to go through the process of dying, but we do not have to fear death. I wonder if you thought about, about perspective at the moment. We've spent a, a few weeks, haven't we, looking up people's noses on Zoom groups or coming to strange rooms where different things are happening. And obviously, if we have, uh, if we have objects in the wrong place, we may not be able to exactly see what they are, but we have to look with a, with a new perspective. Maybe that photograph is so close to us that we only just see a blur of colour. Well, in the story that we had read from us, for us, which was Matthew's gospel version, um, there are certain things that he highlights. And you may know, you may, may be someone who knows that the different gospel writers do have slight differences in what they record. Maybe you've wondered if that means that they're not accurate, they're not truthful. But can I tell you that the differences between the gospel accounts, the four accounts, are the marks of authentic witness statements. They demonstrate to us there is no collusion that has happened. And yet there are these different perspectives on this one amazing event. You see, they all agree about the essential truths that Jesus was dead thoroughly. And he was buried in a tomb and there was an enormous stone in front of it. They all agree that it was women who went first to see what had happened and that amongst those women was definitely Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James. They all tell us that the tomb was empty, that an angel appeared to them and explained what was going on and that they then go back to tell everyone else in a mix of confusion, uh, of fear and of joy. I wonder what perspective you've got on this story, how you're looking at it at the moment, whether you are, as I say, going through some, some different gears. You see, each of the four gospel writers does have different stresses in, in what they share because they're all answering the question, why did Jesus rise from the dead? But they're answering it for different audiences. 
Matthew's gospel account, the story that we just had read for us. He's got a particular audience in mind. It's the Jewish audience. And Matthew's purpose with the things that he stresses is to demonstrate that Jesus is the promised Messiah. The one that when we read the first part of our Bibles, the Old Testament, we hear that God has said will come, will be the anointed one, will save his people and will save the whole world, will bring eternal life. If we want to understand Matthew's stresses and Matthew's gospel in chapter 28, we actually need to look back to chapter 27. Because in chapter 27, Matthew tells us about Jesus being put on trial, first before the chief priests and then before Pilate, who's the Roman governor, and then sends him to the puppet king, Herod, and then back to Pilate. And each time that he's on trial, what Matthew stresses is that his identity, Jesus' identity, is being challenged and being mocked. Pilate says, are you the king of the Jews? The, then later he says to the crowd, what do you want me to do with the one called the Christ? The, the soldiers mock him, hail king of the Jews. And then finally, the chief priests say, well, he called himself the king of Israel, but he could not save himself. Matthew points us to a first truth that Jesus was the rejected king. Romans, Jews, all of those in the crowd alike shouted, crucify him. That was their perspective on him. And of course, Perhaps you reflect that that's been the story, hasn't it, in, in much of our society over the years, that Jesus and his claims, this belief in eternal life, this belief that God would do this for us has been rejected. Maybe that's been you. Maybe you've realised that you've rejected Jesus in a conscious way or maybe Actually, as you go through some different gears at the moment, as you have a different perspective, you realise that you've said that you followed this Jesus. But actually, the way you've lived has been, well, to reject him. Friends, we're all shaped, aren't we, in our individual perspectives, our individual worldviews by the, the wider perspectives of society and culture around up until the 1950s, in the perspective of what was called modernity, there was a belief that if we worked hard and we invested into science, that eventually we would answer every question. Then came what people call post-modernity. There was the growth of the internet. There was the growth of, of media. There was globalization. There was individualism. There was constant searching in the hope that one day, if we put the right thing into Google, it would come up with the right answer. Well, that perspective in our society, well, that was already being challenged, wasn't it? Even before this pandemic, we can see in politics, we can see in the, the climate change movement, there was a desire, a heart for participation. There's been a sense already and, and so reinforced now that community matters that society exists. And I actually think many of us are being led by younger generations in knowing that life is not just about a constant search. There is meaning, there is truth to be found. 
I wonder if, like me, you are just stepping back and thinking about your perspective on life. And maybe you want to follow in Matthew's uh, story, because he then, having pre presented the rejected king, presents, of course, doesn't he, for us, the risen king. The uh, other gospel writers, the other three writers, they feel it necessary to, to give the women a reason for going to the tomb. But Matthew doesn't. Matthew just says that the women went to see. Did they dare to believe that the promises that Jesus had made, that he would rise again from the dead, were going to be true? There's a, a drum roll. There's an earthquake. And there is heavenly presence and heavenly power and heavenly promises fulfilled. An angel has heralded the birth of Jesus and now an angel heralds the resurrection of Jesus. And for Matthew, the key statement is there in that verse, isn't it? He has risen just as he said. Jesus is the promised one, the promised Messiah. That is Matthew's message to his audience and it's Matthew's message to us down the ages. Did you notice that as the women run away and they, they meet Jesus, they fall at his feet and they clasp his feet? This is no ghostly apparition. This is bodily resurrection. Everything that Jesus has promised, everything that God has promised through the entire history of humanity is true. He is the risen king. The power of death has been broken. It is no longer the final word. It is not the end of our story. There is eternal life. And that makes a difference to the way that we live now as well as to the way that we look, of course, to the future. Do you have that perspective? Is that what God is speaking to you about this morning? Well, how can we respond if we want to this morning, perhaps as we're taking stock in this season? Matthew has portrayed the rejected king. He's presented us with the risen king. And I think Matthew also points us to the reconciling king or the loving, the gracious king. Did you notice another little detail in Matthew's account that when the women clasp Jesus' feet and worship him, Jesus says to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Now, that, that little phrase, my brothers, is really significant. It's very distinctive. John's gospel uses it as well. Chapter 20, verse 17. It is a term of love and closeness and relationship. Jesus is saying, despite the disciples having abandoned him, having rejected him, having turned away from him in the events of his death on the cross, they are still my brothers. And just be absolutely certain that in the Greek, my brothers is gender neutral. It means my sisters and my brothers. It is an expression of reconciliation, of love and closeness. God loves us. 
God wants to embrace us. That is the perspective that we need to have. We are one spiritual family with him. We are bound together by God's love. Those first followers of Jesus, they entered a new age, a new paradigm, a new world. The earthquake had started something uh, totally different. They didn't know the way, but Jesus showed them the way. The cross demonstrated to them God's mercy, that God does not treat us as we deserve, even though we're told very clearly in the Bible that all of us have sinned, all of us fall short. And God also demonstrates to us in our risen King Jesus, in our reconciling King Jesus, that his way is the way of grace. He gives us what we don't deserve through the blood of Jesus, through what he did on the cross. He gives us the gift of life and the gift of relationship. Now, I don't know, maybe you're asking questions about God's love in this time of coronavirus. How can we say there's a loving God when there is so much going on around us? Well, friends, we can't underestimate the power of the question and the, the toughness of engaging with the things that are going on at the moment. There are no glib words that will work here. But what I believe with all my heart is that even though I cannot see the ways necessarily that God is remaining all powerful and all loving in these current circumstances, he is all powerful and all loving. I believe with all my heart that somehow this pandemic, somehow this coronavirus fits within the grand meta narrative, the big kingdom story of the Bible, of creation of the fall, of redemption, and then of restoration. I know that somehow this coronavirus is linked to the brokenness of the world. God has given us free will. He's given the whole of creation free will. And somehow the brokenness of the world through the wrong choices is revealed in what is going on. It's made worse. We can see that, can't we, evidently, by some of the sinfulness. Now, that's not saying that God has sent coronavirus. But it is saying that somehow this fits within that bigger story. And because it fits within the bigger story of brokenness, it also fits within the bigger story of redemption and of restoration. That is a truth that we can hold on to. And the cross and Easter tells us that in the brokenness, in death, in all that is challenging and difficult, God is with us. God walks with us through life and even the Bible tells us through the shadow of death. And as I've already said, the risen King Jesus tells us that death is not the final word. There is eternal life something to live by now and something to live by for the future. How might we respond as we try and look at these events with a new perspective? Well, friends, did you notice one other key detail in Matthew's account of the resurrection? That the angels rolled the stone away, not so Jesus could escape the tomb. He'd already gone, but so the women could look in. The empty tomb has the stone rolled away so that we can look into it 
and see that this is true, that God loves us this much, that God's power is this great, that he is Jesus, the Messiah, the sent one to save us. I wonder if you've reflected on that, that the tomb is empty so that you can look into it and see that this is true. For our sisters and brothers in Christ, those first followers of Jesus, after this event, as I've said, they entered into a new world, a new, a new paradigm. They didn't know the way, but they were with God. Jesus was with them. And their story can be our story, falling at the feet of Jesus again, worshipping him, putting him first in our lives, and then going and sharing and telling others the good news. As we read on in the story of the disciples, we'll see that they knew the presence of God through pursuing relationship with God. They knew the peace of God through pursuing relationship with Jesus. And they knew the power of God through pursuing relationship with Jesus. I wonder if you know the truth that it was not our nails, it was not human nails that kept Jesus on the cross. It was God's love that kept Jesus on the cross for us. I wonder if you have that perspective on life. I wonder if you're looking now and working your way through the gears in order to what things in order to know what you want things to be like in the future. Perspective is so important. What I was holding up earlier, if I can get it into my picture. A heart. God's love for us revealed by Jesus on the cross, the one who has raised from the dead, who brings new eternal life. Life for us now and life for us always. Jesus said, do not be afraid. Like those women, Will we fall at his feet? Will we clasp him? And we will, will we say, yes, Jesus, you are the risen king. I follow you. Whatever life is going to look like in the future, whatever gears I need to explore and to use, I choose to follow you. I'm going to say a, a prayer now. And it'll be a prayer that I hope encompasses those of us who've been followers of Jesus for a while, but also might include you if you want to decide today to follow the risen King Jesus. And then I'll tell you what you can do about that afterwards. So why don't we close our eyes if we're able to, maybe open our hands because we believe that God, the Holy Spirit, is in every home in every heart that wants to receive him. So let's close our eyes, open our hands and say, come Holy Spirit. Give us the right perspective on life. For those of us who are followers of yours, Jesus, we say, come now, increase our love for you increase our desire to follow you and whatever life is going to be like on the other side of lockdown let it be a life 
walking with you. And for those of us who come to you for the first time in reality, Jesus, here we are. We confess to you, we say that we're sorry for any ways that we have rejected and dismissed you in our lives. We ask your forgiveness for our brokenness. We thank you for your reconciling love. That through the cross, Jesus, we can be at one with you. We can be brothers and sisters in Christ. So come, Holy Spirit, please fill our lives with a sense of the presence of God, with the peace of God, and with the power of God. And for every one of us, help us to live well now. Help us to follow you in every aspect of our lives, however contained things may be, whatever our fears and our concerns. Holy Spirit, please come. And so in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Friends, if you have made some sort of new commitment as a follower of Jesus today, and if you're one of our regular church family, why don't you share that with someone in your life group or someone else who you know in our church family? You could do that right now in the Zoom prayer ministry groups. If you've done this for the first time, I also want you to, to encourage you to consider joining one of our Zoom prayer ministry groups. There'll be someone hosting the group and you could just, if you felt bold enough, just tell them that you've decided to pray that prayer for the first time and start following Jesus. And I can assure you that you join a family immediately who would love to support you and pray for you. But if you would rather make contact with us through our Facebook page or through our website and let us know that you want to follow Jesus and you've decided to go on this journey, again, one of us will be in touch with you and support you on the first steps. So thank you. God bless you. Happy Easter.